even for your audience thinking thinking about about investing either flipping or, or rentals it's really important to think exit strategy flipping is kind of like a last case scenario at this point so we buy everything hoping that we're going to be able to hold it hello and thank you for joining us today on the gentle art of crushing it show where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives this show stands on the shoulders of giants Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to the Gentle Art of Crushing It podcast. My name is Randy Smith, and I'm going to be your host today. And I'm really excited to have Justin Campbell with us today. Justin uh, was actually served as a pastor for 16 years He became a full-time real estate investor just a couple of years ago, but he already owns a property management company. He owns several rentals, and he's got a house flipping business as well. And then to top it all off, he's chaplain for Aerial Recovery. So, uh, Justin, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Oh, Randy, thanks so much. My privilege. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, why don't we just go ahead and jump right in. Justin, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and how you arrived to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of gave the the big chapter titles, but uh, you know, I've got a unique, I think, on ramp to real estate investing. Like you said, I was a pastor. I went to uh, Bible college after after high school, which is not the uh, the typical pathway to real estate investing. Uh, yeah. I, I met my wife there. You know, was and and still am so captivated by Jesus and His story, and uh, so it was just natural for us. After Bible college, we became pastors. Uh, we did that for 16 years. We traveled around. We were we pastored in in LA. We pastored in Boston, um, and it, it was it was really an awesome privilege for us to walk with people through through their highs and through their lows. Um, so we did that for for 16 years. But we both probably about the 14 year mark, we started to feel this kind of dissonance um, in our spirit, and knew, we knew that 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 chapter was going to come to a close. And so um, after our last assignment ended in, in L.A., um, we decided to move back to my hometown of Great Falls, Montana. Um, and, and man, it was a it was a leap of faith. We had no idea how we were going to provide provide for our family. Um, you know, when you kind of dedicate your life to to serving in a ministry, vocational ministry like that, it's not like you're really cultivating your resume um, for it's anything sure. outside of pastoring. So. Uh, we had about six months uh, of emergency funds sa- saved up, and then my wife is an adventurer at heart, and she said, "Well, let's give this real estate investing a shot. We've got six months to make it work, and if that doesn't work, then it'll be time to, you know, try to find something else." And uh, so I, I had read some some books, I'd listened to some podcasts, and I thought, "Well, I mean, why don't I try to flip a house?" And, and there was sure. there, there was yeah, what's what's uh, What's the most obvious thing to do? And so there's a there's a house that was close to ours, just about a block down. It's the worst house on the block. Uh, terrible sure. foundation. Uh, it reeked. Uh, it looked horrible. So I made a really low offer. It got accepted. And uh, we started flipping, uh, renovating it. Uh, I did a lot of the work myself. And, okay. uh, and, and miraculously, it actually went pretty well. I mean, we made like 30,000 yeah. bucks off of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was like two yeah. months worth of work. And that almost made up for my salary as a pastor. 
and uh, unreal, and, unreal. And like, and, and so we decided, okay, we're going to roll that into the next one. We found another one. That one took us about ten days to do. It was just, it was a very simple cosmetic rehab, and we made like twenty thousand bucks. We're like, oh. this is insane. I mean, yeah. And so we rolled it into the next one, rolled it into the next one. Uh, yeah, I, I think we started to to buy a couple rentals here and there. I had my property management license to to manage my own stuff. Started managing family stuff. Uh, people started asking me to manage their stuff, and I said no for a long time. I thought it would yeah. be a distraction to to our primary goals. And after we said no enough, my wife came to me and she said, "You know, I think maybe you're passing up a really good opportunity." And so we got an LLC. We opened up, and uh, and that's that's been going going really well. The more we flipped, the more we realized, hey, I think it, I think we could burst some of these and, and end up keeping them. And so, long story short, so we got into real estate investing through through a hard pivot that nobody else saw coming, uh, especially especially us. That's amazing. What a what a story too. It's. Uh... 16 years serving um, and really being selfless and and you and your wife spending all of those years going all over the country. That's amazing. And then um, I think it's interesting how you said you could tell probably a couple of years before that there was going to be some transition. Mm -hmm. So is that when you started reading books and podcasts and this, you know, doing the research, that was when it kind of started at that point? Yeah, that, that was it. You know, we we had, uh, when we were in Boston, when we transitioned from Boston to LA, we sold our house in Boston and the market had appreciated enough that we made, I think we made 30 grand off our house. And okay. so my wife and I, we decided that we were going to invest in a duplex in my hometown of Great Falls. So we bought a duplex um, with that money, but there was just, it was going to be so, so difficult at, at uh, you know, with our with our job at that point to be really involved with real estate. So, sure, you know, sure. Once we knew that transition was coming, it was kind of like, ah, I think real estate could be exciting, and there's some opportunity there. And are you interested in real estate investing, but don't know where to get started, or think you don't have the time or money? Are you stuck in your W two because the golden handcuffs make it hard to walk away? If this sounds like you check out impactequity.net and schedule some time to talk with the founder, Randy Smith. Randy went from massive income to leaving his W-2 through passive income, and he can help you do the same. www.impactequity.net. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, and then you talk about buying that first, that first flip. And I would imagine there's got to be, like, you're super excited that there's this flip that they accepted. And then secretly, you're probably thinking, Oh no, they accepted my oh, offer, my. right? Maybe, maybe I offered too much. Maybe that, who knows what I'm getting into. That's so exactly tell me about it. that a little bit. I would, I would imagine that was a little, uh, a little, uh, frustrating, a little scary, right. all kinds of emotions. Yeah. Well, as you know, flipping a house, there's, there's stages to it. It's not like you, you yeah. buy it and then you just do it. And, and it, so every new stage was brand new to us. And with every new stage, it brought like a, a new level of stress. And we're like, so you're exactly right. You buy a house and we're like, oh my goodness, we've we've never paid this much money before. And that, that's a lot of money out. So there's that stress. How is the project gonna go? Every new thing that went wrong, you know, the foundation had to get get repaired and and sort of like we've never done that before. And so yeah. each new phase brought a new level of stress and 
you know, once you close on it on the backside, then you're like, oh, okay, we made it. We finally made it. <laughs> and and the whole time it's stressful because you think it's going to sell for a certain dollar yep. amount, but you never really know what it's going to sell for exactly. until until that offer comes yep. in. Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious. So I, I know being a pastor for all those years, there probably was not real significant income. Um, and so when you went to go buy this first flip, a lot of people run into challenges where like, how do you finance yeah. this thing on the front end? So I'm curious, how did you guys finance that first deal? Yeah, so we use private money. Actually, we still use private money to this day. Um, okay. And so, and it's been different people. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's somebody with, you know, money in their retirement account that they can roll into, you know, a, a self-directed self -directed. Yeah, self IRA. And then they can loan off of that. Um, the private money lender that we use now is is actually our, our kids' orthodontist that we just struck up a conversation. I told him what we did, and he said he would be no interested kidding. in it. And and so that's a partnership that's worked out really well. But I, I can guarantee you, I've talked to a lot of people about private money, and almost everybody has somebody in their network that, that can act as, as private money if, if they just know how to kind of piece it together a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm curious. So that's something that's intriguing to me. And I hear a lot of people in your space use private money and it. I did it. Did it just turn out to where you're talking about this with pretty much everybody you're talking to? Or is it just a, a few select people that maybe you think might have some additional funds or what does what does that look like? Yeah, Great question. It, it really does. You end up being a broken record. Everybody you talk to. Yeah, you're so at least for us, we're so excited about real estate investing. It was such a new thing that it was natural to come. It wasn't like we were trying to force it into every conversation. But when you're really sure. passionate about something, it tends to come up in conversation. And uh, yeah. and so, yeah, we talk to a lot of people about it. Yeah, and I think most people that um, it, it, it's a lot easier to get into that space than what a lot of people think. People that have old 401ks or people that have left jobs or even people that are just saving cash on the side that don't want to have all their money in the stock yeah. market. Um, I would imagine most people that are out there have access to a few folks like you and I yeah. that could actually put, put their money to work. So I, I'm curious, what type is every deal different or do you have kind of like a set fee that you pay to folks or is there a range that you usually fall into or what does that look like for the investors? Yeah, it's a great question. So it depends if you're using, so there's kind of you delineated. There's there's hard money lenders, and those are those are typically institutional lenders. And then you've got private yeah. money lenders. The, the terms will be different. So hard money lenders usually there's there's point fees, um, there's interest fees, and those are going to be higher than a private money lender. Got it. Okay. So so say you're borrowing a hundred grand, there might be one or two points that you pay right up front, which means say if it's two points, you're going to pay two thousand dollars. That's right. And then you're paying some percentage probably somewhere between i don't know seven and ten or twelve percent depending on how quickly and how badly you need it That's exactly and right. then usually there's like some time period too do you generally kind of guarantee your folks a certain amount of time or is it just based on the project that you're doing yeah and so we, we write that all in into we, there's a couple documents we file them with the county and we make sure that the terms are all spelled out and it does depend on the on the scope of work for the project we try to recycle money every six months and so that that our lender doesn't okay. have money sitting out longer than that um so that that's kind of typical but it does change based off of the project okay yeah and i think that can be a really valuable investment option for 
individuals that are sitting on the side, it's more liquid mm -hmm. than a lot of the syndications that you hear. Um, and, and sometimes, but not always, they're in a first position lean, uh, usually first position or sometimes a second position lean. Mm -hmm. uh, is that how you structure those loans for your investors as well? Yeah, so, so at this point, for most deals that we use private money money on, uh, we'll, we'll borrow the purchase price plus, plus the rehab for it. Perfect. Um, so that, that's kind of, kind of how that works. Okay. Yeah. Now I know that I was doing the burst strategy in Atlanta for a number of years. And when I was keeping those assets, generally the bank was making me uh, season those assets for, I think it was usually six months. Yeah. I don't remember if it was six months from the per is it the purchased by time or is it when it's completed? I, I don't recall. From, from purchase. Okay. So if you buy an asset in January, you renovate it for a couple of months, you're still going to end up needing that hard money for the full six months right. because you can't do your cash out refi in the back end unless you're just flipping in, you know, in 10 days, like the one deal that you had. That's right. Uh, okay, perfect. Well, very good. So, I, you know, it's, I'm always intrigued with this space because the idea of being a flipper sounds sounds exciting. We've all watched HGTV and we've got all these great ideas. Um, any challenges or lessons along the way that might be valuable for other folks that are considering getting into that space? I think the biggest hurdle that, that I had to overcome is the, the feeling that I had to do all of the work. And, and okay. I just kind of came to the point where I realized that if I'm doing all of the work, I'll never be able to scale because I can, you know, myself, I could probably do two a year. But if I want to do okay. 20 a year, you've got to build teams. And so you can't be swinging a hammer at that point. You, mm -hmm. you're, you're either GCing or you're overseeing your project managers at, at that point. And so that was okay. the biggest thing for me is, you know, if you want to do one or two a year, that's great. Go swing the hammer. Uh, but if you want to scale, if you actually want to make it a business, then you have to run it as a business and, and not be the employee inside of the business. Got it. So letting letting go and kind of um, turning over the reins to somebody else, I would imagine, is challenging. So did you did you just start hiring folks right away or was there a process of letting go of some of that yeah. or what, what did that process look like? Yeah, it probably took us to number flip number five before I stopped doing anything in it and, and okay. was just hiring project managers. And, and I would still bring teams of people in to do various things. Uh, okay. But that, that became a much, much more efficient seat for me, especially running the property management and doing this. You know, the, the more I'm doing in the business, the, the less we can grow as a business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so let's let's talk about the property management piece a little bit. I know property management can be kind of a thankless job. There's not always a lot of lot a lot of profit in there. Mm -hmm. uh, what has that journey been like? I know you, you said you were saying no to folks over and over and over, but then, you know, the wife brought to your attention that maybe there's some opportunity there. So yeah. Let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, so we, we officially launched um, August of 2022. So we're just over a year year old. We've got about a two about 200 doors at this point, and it was wow. it was a similar similar journey. I was doing everything. I was doing all of the leasing, the work orders. Um, I was doing all of the work, and it, again, yeah. painfully obvious. You can only do that for so long, and, and you can't do it at all if you want to grow. And so. We've we've just grown teams out, and so we really try to leverage technology and teams. 
Uh, we've got we've okay. got a team of, of virtual assistants that that are able to do a lot of the back end stuff. And then, you know, one of the skill sets that, tr- that actually did transfer from pastoring to this is building teams. And, and in mm-hmm. terms, it turns out that it's a lot easier to build a team when you can pay people <laughs> when they're volunteers. I, I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that you've got 200, 200 doors at this point in one year. Now, what does the team look like? You mentioned VAs, but do you have like W-2 employees as well? Or So everybody's contractors at, at this point. So, okay. so we, we've, we've been able to structure it like that. It, it tends to work out better for them for flexibility. Works out better for me just from an overhead overhead standpoint. Yeah. Um, so I've got sure. I've got VAs, I've got uh, a bookkeeper, um, and then I've got a handy person. And, and okay. between, I think that's that's four teammates besides myself, and, and we're able to okay. able to handle everything pretty efficiently. We're we're in the process of hiring an operations manager, and that will okay. allow me to take one step further to you know keep focusing on acquisitions. Fantastic. And then the, fl- the flipping business as well, is that got a whole staff of people or is that just all subcontractors behind the that's scenes? Or? Yep. That's, that's exactly it. My wife, my wife recently quit her job. And so she's, she's kind of serving as project manager going forward where we'll, we've, we've got enough contractors that are working almost exclusively for us because of the amount of projects. And so she's just bouncing yeah. between projects, making sure that, you know, timelines are, are on track and, and the scope of work, everybody sure. doing what they say they're doing, contracts are in and, and all of that kind of stuff. I love it. And then you're just, you're the uh, the CEO that's managing the managers and um, getting your hands dirty from time to time, I would, I would imagine right. yeah. still. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Well, very exciting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, what is what is the next two to three or two to five years look like for what you guys are yeah. doing? Well, especially for property management, that's probably the, the easiest one to, to foresee um, how we can scale it. So we're in Montana. Uh, we've got some very distinct markets in Montana. And, and because licensure is different state to state, we really want to become a statewide, uh, Montana statewide property management company. So okay. we're we're planning this next year to to move into uh, another market, maybe another two markets. Um, we, okay. we think it's pretty plausible for us to get to 500 units this next this next year. Um, and, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. We're this is such a new journey for us. We're kind of feeling it out. And, you know, as we grow in scale, yeah. if there's a point where we're like, yeah, I don't you know, growing is pretty painful. And so I think we've hit our, our pain tolerance. I, I don't know what that mark is going to be. Um, but, sure. but I think we've got enough things in motion that this next year will will hit 500 doors. And and is there like a certain number of doors in a market where it starts to make sense to do the property management? Like, do you need 20 doors in a in a MSA before it makes sense to go in there? Yeah, that's the, will you just start with onesie twosie that, stuff? That's a great question. So we're, we're kind of tweaking with our model a little bit, but we really need a market rep in each market where that person's mm-hmm. sole job is to bring us. They're, they're kind of a, a business development manager almost, um, but then they sure. get a profit share of the company. So, you know, say for example, you, Randy, you're like, hey, I would love Red Door Property Management to move into our market. Then we would write up yep. like a joint venture agreement that say, okay, you get 5% of every, of all of the revenue from the doors that you bring. And so it's, it would be okay. incentive for you to say, okay, you know, I've got this amount of doors. I've got friends that have this amount of doors. We're all going to roll it into Red Door. 
And so that's kind of our marketing strategy at this point. Interesting. Okay. And are you looking primarily at geography that's close to you or is it is it the factor of having a, a development person in a market that's really driving which markets that you're going to you're going to look at? Yeah, we feel I feel pretty confident we can build a team almost anywhere. So it just uh, just depends on on where we think the demand is. There's certain places in Montana where it's not appreciating, it's not growing, uh, the rental market is, is not strong. So we'll stay away from those. But we've identified five markets that we would like to be in. Okay. And, and is it all long-term rental or have you looked at the short-term rental space at all? Yeah, well, you're you're the pro there. Um, we do we do short term rentals also, um, but I oh, will do. We don't do it as well as you. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I've, we've got great teams behind us that are driving driving that business for sure. So, well, very good. Um, yeah, it's an interesting journey to go from you know being a pastor and then moving into buying that first duplex and kind of seeing a trajectory there where that can make sense. Um, we talked a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned along the way, but I'm I'm curious as you as you move into the years moving forward, you mentioned maybe 500 doors for the property management. Is there a goal that you have for the flipping business as well, or is that more based on market dynamics and, and yeah. things like that? Yeah, it's a, I mean we've got some soft goals around the flipping, but but our market center is about a hundred thousand people. That's countywide. And so okay. we're, we're bumping up against an inventory issue. And so if we want to continue okay. scale, then, then we'll probably have to move into different markets, um, maybe different even markets, other states. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so we've got some soft goals for our local market. We're working with some, some, some really fantastic investor-friendly agents. Um, okay. And, and, and we're on their goal sheet for how many, how many they would like to bring to us in 2024. Okay. So, I think we'll just we'll just continue to nurture those relationships and kind of see where it goes. Okay, yeah, interesting. I I know in this space, I I was at a um, a RIA meeting a few weeks ago, and there, and this is all Arizona based, so it, it I'm sure it doesn't apply to your area. But it said that we're entering kind of a kind of a scary time for flippers because mm -hmm. there's so much uncertainty that's going on in the market. I'm curious. How is the economy driving your business, or is there other considerations that folks should consider if they're in the in the same space due to the economy? Yeah, no, I think I think that's really prudent to think through that. Um, you know, in a, in a lot of places, appreciation rates are you know they've halted or they're they're going backwards in in some markets. Montana yep. is really interesting. We're about two years behind everybody else, and so things are still appreciating. We we've got a huge supply and demand shortage in our area and so you know and even for your audience thinking thinking about about investing either flipping or, or rentals um i it's really important to think exit strategy and yeah. so for us when we flip flipping is kind of like a last case scenario at this point so we buy everything hoping that we're going to be able to hold it and that we'll be able right. to burn it um, and if that doesn't work then we flip it and we run numbers based off of those two scenarios and okay. if we know that it's not going to flip, if, if we can't flip it at the margin that we want, then we just pass on it. And so as long, okay. as, long as you know your ex exit strategy, you've, you know, nobody knows for sure what the market's going to do. But as long as you've yep. done due diligence and you're doing prudent, you're, you're being prudent with it, you know, okay. I, I, I don't see, I don't foresee in our market any reason why we should slow down. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Now, I, I've talked to a lot of flippers that 
that they talk about one of the challenges with flipping, one, one of the benefits is that you can make very good money in a relatively short amount of time. The other side of the coin on that is that quite often you're paying quite a bit in taxes sure. with a flipping business. So I'm curious, are there any strategies that you're using um, other than trying to buy and hold, but is there any other strategies that you're leveraging to try to help offset the tax burden that comes along with that? Yeah, yeah. One of the things we try to do is we make sure that our, our flips, as much as possible, will we'll cross calendar years. And so you, you move from short-term to long-term capital gains um, at that point. Um, you can also parlay, not a 1031, but you can also parlay your funds for as long as you're not taking an income from it and you just move it from one, one flip to the next, you're not paying taxes on it. Interesting. Okay. So that's, that's more of a deferment. You're eventually going to pay taxes on it, but. Yeah. You can kick the can down the road, but at some point yeah. you, you can't keep kicking. So, so that's interesting. I didn't realize that you just simply by going from one year to the next, that that allows you the option to get long-term capital gains. I thought it had to be 365 days. And of course you and I are, are both not CPAs and don't give legal or tax advice. Absolutely. Check with, yeah. check with your local expert, but uh, that's an interesting strategy to consider because that's a big difference. Difference between short-term and long-term capital gains um, can be 20% almost. Yeah. Um, so that that is a neat strategy. And then moving dollars from project to project, I didn't realize that was an option either. So that that's, um, I suspect if you kept pushing those dollars from project to project and then potentially putting it into a long-term hold, that opens up 1031 options yeah. and some other yeah. creative tax uh, situations as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really valuable. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And certainly something that if folks are thinking about flipping, um, certainly get with your CPA and your tax advisor to talk about those things. Um, and for folks that are more passive investors, I think it's a good opportunity for folks to, to pair up with folks like Justin and, and many others. So um, yeah, I'd love Justin, do you have anything else you'd care to share about the business or um, anything else you'd care to share with the audience at this point to think, that maybe you know, we missed? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, that, that kind of covers, covers the, the business side of things. Um, you know, I think the, the other piece that's really important and, and I'm sure I, your your audience is educating themselves listening to your podcast, which is fantastic. But I think that's such a critical yeah. piece is is you know being a, a voracious learner. And so whether that, yeah. that podcast, books, conferences, courses, whatever it is, is I, I think that that's a critical piece to any any business business development. Okay, well and that, that's kind of a good transition. I always have I have a few questions I like to ask everybody. And on that note, are there any books or podcasts specifically that you would suggest to the new or newer passive investor? Mm -hmm. You know, great question. I mean, yes, I, I, there's a lot of books that I would recommend. Um, do you do you read Jim Rohn at all? I love Jim Rohn. Ooh, yes, he's got yes, I have. Hours and hours and hours and hours of Jim Rohn over the yeah. years, yeah. He's got this quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, you know, you can determine the quality of your life based off, in five years, based off of the quality of the books that you read right now. And, uh, you know, I I think it's more important than identifying, you know, saying, you know, here's a list of books that I think are great. I think it's it's more beneficial or at least equally beneficial to understand where you're at in your season so I think that that learning is at the intersection of, of pain and passion. And so if, if you know what you, what you really, where you really want to grow and there's a pain point there and find a resource 
um, that, that you can educate yourself in that area and, and your retained, your retention rate goes through the roof. And so for me, no doubt. you know, early on, I, I read, uh, you know, Brandon Turner's the, the book with the, the, the no money down book, um, sure, uh, Gary, sure. Gary Keller's the, the, the millionaire investor. I love that because of just laid a roadmap out for, for building your portfolio, yep. uh, Chad Carson, uh, Retire early with real estate was kind of a pivotal book for me. So, okay. no, those are those are some great uh, great recommendations. I love that, and I think I think that makes a lot of sense. There's not one book that everybody should read. It really comes down to where you are in the journey yeah. and matching matching that with where your passion yeah. is, right? Because if you're you know if you want to you want you want to go down the short term rental path, it doesn't make sense to look at. Um, a lot of the other yeah. books that are out there or, or, or something else there. So I think that that intersection between pain and passion, I think, is a really great quote. And um, there's not a one size fits yeah. all. There's so many different ways that you can grow wealth through real estate investing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important, too, early on not to like um, like go super deep in the first thing that you hear, because I guarantee you if you hang around long enough, you're going to hear 10 different yeah. things that you're super excited about, but really only one or two of those is probably going to maintain the, the, um, the passion longer than just the, the original honeymoon yeah. period. Yeah. So good advice. Um, so one of the questions I like to ask folks as well is, um, you know, we talked a little bit about lessons learned, but are there things that you wish you knew today that um, would have been really, really helpful when you started this journey? That's another great question. It's hard to say. I mean, obviously, I, I wish I knew how the market would appreciate. Um, everybody wishes yeah. they had a crystal ball um, to, to know know what the market was going to do. But, but honestly, I don't wish that I knew anything different than what I did. And the reason I say that is, is I think that there's such a critical there's such a critical thing that happens when you don't know everything, but you still choose to take action that it almost births this thing inside of you or you're like, Hey, I, I, I can do this. It builds confidence that you can, you can yeah. take a step of faith and it's going to be okay. And you're going to figure it out. And so th there was a lot of things that I know now that, that I didn't know then, but I wouldn't change it because you know, it's, it's, it's part of the journey. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, th I think back too to all the mistakes that I made throughout the whole journey, and I think um, it'd be real easy to say I wish that I hadn't gone through that that situation. But had I not bought that first long term rental in Kansas City from a bad operator that ended up costing me, you know, forty thousand dollars throughout the whole period, I would have never got to where I am yeah. today. And uh, those lessons needed to be learned throughout that path. So. I, I can get the experience and the confidence for, for where we are today. So I, I'm curious where, and this is a unique question towards yours that I don't normally ask, but I'm curious how your faith has played into your process into getting into real estate and then growing multiple businesses. Like how has that factored in yeah. to this whole process? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what your faith journey is, is Randy, but you know, when, when I, when I read the story, of Jesus, when I think about, about the kind of God that I serve, it, it's a God of abundance. It's not a God of scarcity. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, going back to that kind of, you know, the ability to take a faith risk, you know, step into the unknown mm -hmm. a little bit, 
I've got the security knowing that, hey, everything's going to be fine. Like the deal may not work how I, how I envisioned yeah. it, but it's going to be fine. And, and not only that, but, but I don't have to try to hoard everything. You know, if I'm competing with somebody to get a deal and, and they win and I don't, I can celebrate their win because, you know, we're not in a world of scarcity. There's enough opportunity for everybody. And, and so I can celebrate that. Um, I think that's, that's, that's certainly one way that's really impacted, impacted me. The other way I, I would say is, you know, my mission really falls inside of the, the mission and the passion of Jesus. You know, his is to, you know, to, to bring light, love, healing everywhere. And so real estate is just a vehicle for me to do that. I, I'm not actually passionate about flipping or buying investment properties. It, it's a tool to get me to where I want to be. And, and so both Sarah and I, my wife, you know, our, our goal is to, to generate enough income so that we can, you know, really partner with aerial recovery. You know, we've, we've just briefly talked about that so that we can really partner with churches that are, you know, there, there's a spiritual component to it, but there's, they're also working with microfinance and educating women in, in countries where, you know, that's, that's not looked upon favorably because we know if you educate a woman, it's going to, it's going to radically change, change your culture. So yeah. we want to partner with those sorts of things. And we can't do that with, you know, just a little bit of money. And so all of these businesses, we want to generate more and more money so that we can throw all of that toward these, these initiatives that we think Jesus really cares about and that, that we're passionate about. Yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, I would agree. I think that um, my higher power uh, wants us all to live abundant yeah. lives and to share that abundance with everyone. And, you know, we, you mentioned to it briefly there, but um, can you talk a little bit about aerial recovery and what that is and what its mission is yeah. um, and how, how to learn more about it if our, if our audience is interested in connecting yeah, on I, that? I would love to. I mean, aerial recovery, you can find, find everything that you would want, uh, aerialrecovery.org. Um, but their their purpose is to repurpose uh, special ops and veterans coming out of the military, help them rediscover their purpose, and then redeploy them um, to be a force for good, combating the world's greatest evil. So they've got three initiatives. Uh, they they've got one initiative called Heal the Heroes, where it's a year long program where they kind of help these heroes go through a, a healing journey, um, and they can discover what their purpose is. And their resource to kind of accomplish that purpose in their, you know, in their spheres of influence. Uh, the other one is they've got disaster response. So anytime there's a, you know, major mm -hmm. fire, major hurricane, you know, Turkey with the earthquakes, when the war in Ukraine happened, they were there. And a lot of the times they're the first boots on the ground. They can assess the situation. They can coordinate uh, nonprofit organizations, work with the government. I mean, you talk about you know, green, green yeah. berets, special ops guys that the military has put millions of dollars into educating and, and developing. Now they're using this for humanitarian purposes. And then the other one is, wow. is uh, they, they actually kick down doors for, uh, you know, sex, sex trafficking rings. And so they go, they're like this okay, spearhead going in to, to tackle these bad guys. And, and they work with local governments and police agencies and, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing organization. Fantastic. Yeah. You can tell, I mean, it sounds like an amazing organization and you can tell you just light up when you start talking about it again. So that, that is what I'm guessing is kind of a true North star for you is really living this abundant life. So you can take that abundance and, and really put it to good cause and good work. 
through through organizations like that. Well, thank you. Thank you for your work in that area as well. Um, what a great mission. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, my privilege. All right. Well, a couple last ones here that are kind of fun um, is since you and I are both in GoBundance and we have this uh, kind of common shared theme, is there a recent bucket list item that you checked off your list or is there one that you hope to in the near future? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, honestly, one of the bucket list uh, things I was able to check off this year was joining GoBundance. So I'm kidding. Very you good. Know, just being able to be a part of a group of people that are so intentional about the most important areas of their life. It's, it's a phenomenal community, very giving, serving oriented community. Yeah, and it was something that, that I had thought for years I would love to be a part of and didn't think that it would, it would ever be a part of. It's certainly not my short-term story, um, sure. you know, given my, my financial and time constraints as, as a full-time pastor. But yeah, joining that this year was amazing. Uh, this next year, I'll, I'll take my family to Europe. We'll, we'll be there for uh, probably at least a month and, and just Fantastic. really enjoy, enjoy, some, enjoy a new culture. So yeah, that's, that's the next one. Very fun. Very fun. You and I, you and I actually share in both of those. My wife and I will be going to Europe this year and uh, joined GoBundance myself this year, something I, I have been thinking about for years. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey. All right. And then finally, our last one here, if you had $100,000 to invest today, mm -hmm. but you couldn't invest in your own deals, where would you invest that $100,000? You know, if there was an organization that, that had short-term rentals that were just incredible and they were syndicating deals, that would be a really good one. So Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, might, I might know a guy or yeah, two that, yeah. that are involved in that space. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm assuming people have seen your Airbnbs. I mean, I, I've seen them on Facebook, you, you know, your market. They are incredible. And you choose great markets. Uh, so... Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. That was certainly that was not staged or planned in any way. But yes, thank you. The team does amazing with those. So, well, very good. Well, Justin, um, last thing, of course, I'd, I'd love if you have uh, a way that folks can contact you. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they'd like to connect and potentially invest with you or just hear more about your journey with uh, aerial recovery as well? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would love to serve. You know, one of the things I love to do is help people that are stuck in an area of their life. And just just spend some time, ask some some quality questions, and help people get unstuck. So if I can serve in that capacity, I would love to. Uh, probably Instagram would be the best. It's just Red Door Properties. There's a period in between each word. Red period door period properties. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Justin. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate all that you're doing as well and, and the work that you're doing with Aero Recovery. Um, thank you so much for that. And thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you. Appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. All right. And to our audience, as always, uh, thank you again for joining us today. Our 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 advice is always to continue that education journey, but even more than that is to double down and make a decision to invest in your first passive investment if you have not yet. I'm convinced that once you do, you'll be so happy that you did that you'll wish you had started many, many years earlier. So be sure to join us again next Thursday for another great episode. And thank you again for joining us today. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor. 
and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.